The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week is every week we are searching the globe, trying to find you the folks who can get you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we are going to talk about a topic that has become weirdly controversial over the last, I don't know, month in particular, I guess, in my world. And that is foreclosures and what the opportunities for foreclosures are in this world right now. Um, Give you some background here and say, uh, as part of this series of market discussions that OREA is putting on for free and online, by the way, at our first session about a month ago, uh, the guy who was talking about market stats showed a slide that basically said foreclosures, there's not that many of them, everybody's got equity, they're all able to, you know, hang out and sell for full price, and uh, I got some alarmed emails from listeners saying, gosh, that's kind of the strategy I was going for for finding sellers. And now is it, should I just stop? So, I mean, yeah, even even Rick Sharga, uh, you know, said, said some things to mitigate that, but I just, it got to be such a thing that I just decided to bring in one of my favorite foreclosure investors so that we could talk about it. That is Bill Twyford. Uh, He works along with his wife, Dwan, primarily in the Colorado area. Uh, Long, long, long time foreclosure guy, like buys most of his properties uh, pre-foreclosure really. And uh, I just wanted to get some on the ground perspective about those stats, some subtleties within those stats, and what the real foreclosure market looks like, because I knew that if anybody was going to actually tell us the unvarnished truth, it was probably going to be Bill. So he's joining us from a a trip that he's taking to Long Island, uh, I suspect to help somebody else find some foreclosures there in Long Island be my uh, best guess about what's going on. Uh, Bill, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. 
Hey, thank you, Vina. Thank you for having me on. It's it's great to be here. Yes, I'm in Long Island right now. And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, here getting ready to do a two-day workshop on uh, the foreclosure market here locally in, in Long Island. So. Uh. Yeah, interesting. That's one of the that's one of the places where state state by state foreclosure laws and practices can be very different when you get down to the ground level. And one of the ground level things in New York is it apparently takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days to get a foreclosure through the. Oh yeah, for sure. They can. They're like New Jersey. I mean, you, they can almost stay in their house for two, three, four years. And it's uh, it's ridiculous. So, uh, you know, we just we we've been seeing a rise in a lot of foreclosures throughout the country. Um, she's everywhere that we've that we've spoke. Duan and Will have spoke. You know, I um, took a little hiatus for the last year and a half because of my health. So I had a stem cell transplant. So uh, I'm doing well. I finally got the approval to um, travel. So I can do that now, but I can't get into doing rehabs or anything like that yet. So I haven't got cleared for that. But I got cleared for traveling so I can travel and speak. So that's good. And you can still talk to sellers. Yes. And, and, let, the, and let, the, let, the, let those other two get into the drywall dust and the... <laughs> that's right. The, the that's exactly what what not? Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because I know leading up to the show once we said, "Oh, Bill Twyford's the guest." I started getting a lot of, "How's Bill doing?" Because uh, I assume you're aware that the entire time that you were stuck in that that clean room for what what, what was it four or five months, that your wife was shooting videos of you while you were oh. asleep and sticking hairbrushes in your face and acting like she was interviewing you. So, like, the whole world knows about your stem cells transplant. I know. I know. And I, I couldn't do anything about that either. I didn't, one, I didn't have – I didn't know I was asleep, but then, two, I couldn't even get out of bed half the time anyway. <laughs> well, we're all very, very grateful that that went as well as it possibly could have, and you were up and around, and other than apparently avoiding the hard work of rehabs, back in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm back in it, and uh, I'm really looking forward to coming to the uh, uh, Ohio RIA and speaking, and that's really going to be fun because we have a lot of great topics that we're going to be covering. Bill, you've been doing that for so long that you're still calling it the Ohio RIA conference. It's like everybody, everybody, and back in the day it was, back in the day it was like, you know, only Ohioans came and, you know, it was a big Ohio meetup basically. And, but for probably the last, oh my golly, going on 10 years, it's been the national summit and it's been, uh, our, our attendance is actually more now from out of the state of Ohio than it is from inside the state of Ohio. It's a, it's a, uh, that's, and that's all because of you bringing people in, uh, you know, you, you work so hard to build this, and uh, that's what I've always called it. So. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I get it. I just don't want anybody to think that, oh, I was going to come, and I'm from California. No, no come no. if you're from California. Yeah. Um, all right, so we've got this. We've got these stats that we're all reading, or maybe we heard about them on that uh, call a few weeks ago, and. It did. It really did alarm people when 
he said, well, you know, foreclosure activity is, is now, I mean, obviously it had a big spike in 2020, 2021. Um, let me say default activity was really high then. There weren't any foreclosures going on because there was a foreclosure moratorium. But he said, basically, foreclosures are back down to below where they were in 2019. And yet you just said that every place you go, people are saying, well, not in my area. We're seeing more of them than we've seen in quite a, a while. What do you think the disconnect is there? Well, you know, he might be talking on a national average. Maybe on national average, that is the truth. But, you know, we don't really have a national real estate market. We have markets that are within markets. And what we look at all the time is areas that foreclosures are rising in, you know, because you have areas in, in Ohio, uh, in different towns in Columbus or Cincinnati or Dayton or Cleveland, wherever it is, where you have areas in those markets where they're going up, and you also have areas in those markets where it's going down. So it's the same thing with foreclosures from county to county. Some counties have more foreclosures than others, like Adams County in Colorado. That's, I mean, those foreclosures are going nuts there you know they've just so many more every single week and uh you know a lot of people say well you know people have equity now well you know that's true they do but you have to remember homeowners always think there's going to be a miracle that's going to happen and they end up painting themselves into the corner to where they don't have a lot of time so they wait, wait, you know, they've got a $300,000 house. They owe one seventy-five on it. They should have put that thing on the market two months ago, three months ago. But now they're waiting and they're going to sale in 10 days. So they don't have a lot of equity in a situation like that because they're running out of time. So there's a lot of people that do have a lot of equity, like I say. However, the problem is they have to take care of it and do something with it ahead of time and not wait till it gets ready to go to sale. Mm -hmm. And I want to pick up the conversation there and talk about, talk more about like how do we find and deal with those people, but we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to real life, real estate investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to real life, real estate investing, having a discussion today with Bill Twyford about like, what's happening with foreclosures in the Wall Street Journal or The Economist or the Mortgage Bankers Association, but what seems to be happening on the ground and whether this is a good time or a bad time to be pursuing sellers who might need help because they are in foreclosure. Uh, I should have mentioned at the top of the show that this is a pre-recorded program. Um, as you are listening to this, I myself am in New Jersey <laughs> actually giving a talk there. So um, just didn't want to miss out on this chance to address this topic that's always kind of, you know, top of mind for real estate investors who are trying to find deals. They, they One of the things they think about when they're thinking about who might be a motivated seller who needs help, like I think the first thing that jumps into everybody's mind is probably, uh, what about the people who are in foreclosure? So talking today to Bill Twyford, who, as he mentioned earlier, is one of the gosh, 30 speakers at the uh, upcoming National Real Estate Investing Summit here in Cincinnati. 
Um, coming up on November 2nd through 5th, I think there's still a couple of live seats left. And, of course, you can always attend by, you can always can quote virtually by uh, going to oreaconvention.com and just, you know, clicking that button that says, I want the recordings. Um, but uh, he's, he and his wife are a little unusual in that they are giving one of the all-day sessions. There's, there's two Thursday all-day sessions that... Uh, you know, just like longer trainings on a more specific topic. And guess what their topic is? Pre-foreclosures, wholesaling them, negotiating them, finding them, all of that good stuff that's uh, come along with pursuing that. So uh, you have for many years made most of your deals and most of your money by wholesaling or buying and fixing and selling or buying and holding foreclosure property. That's just kind of been your lane that you have stayed in for decades and decades. How, how is that going for you personally? I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing that very little, very little, it's true that very little property is actually going to sheriff sale or foreclosure auction. It's true that most of the stuff that does go there doesn't make it past there because 60% of the stuff that goes there, the bank does not buy it. Somebody else outbids them and it goes away. And so this tiny little percentage is ending up in the MLS. But you've always focused on that, that first stage where they're, they're behind but not at the sale. Are, are, you, are, are you guys able to eat? Are you doing okay? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. You know, and that's where we, you know, because we always tell everybody everything starts out with a distressed homeowner that falls behind in payments. So the sooner you can get a hold of that distressed homeowner when they're 30 days, 60 days, 90 days behind before they get into foreclosure and build rapport with them and get them to think, hey, listen, you know what? You're right. I need to do something. I need to get out of my situation. If they've got a lot of equity, what I tell them to do is get the property listed and get the property sold. Get it on the market and get it sold. However, a lot of them don't do that. A lot of them, what they do is they sit around and they procrastinate, they procrastinate and they wait. And then boom, it goes into foreclosure. Then they kind of put their head in the sand because what happens is now all these people are chasing them. And... The homeowner's sitting here with a lot of equity. They actually could put it on the market and sell it, but a lot of them don't. You know, a lot of them, what they do is they sit, they wait, and they get to a point to where they're down to 30, 45 days before it sells. They don't really have many other options. So, you know, we're always dropping off information to them on what they can do. We go talk to them face-to-face. We try to help them get out of their situation. But a lot of people just, like I said, put their heads in the sand and they wait thinking a miracle's going to happen. And then we ended up buying the houses. And that's exactly what we're doing is we're working the foreclosure markets. And and that's 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 an important enough statement that I want to I wanna spend a minute unpacking it. It is not the case as with any kind of seller, that every single seller in foreclosure is going to be motivated to sell it at a good price or good terms. The first thing most people think, as soon as they realize they can't get their 
payment made is I need to call an agent. I need to put it on the market because I've got equity and I can move on and do something else. So those, you know, not all of those people are going to end up being sellers to any investor. And then there's the second set that you're talking about that they, for one reason or another, delay. And those are your people. It's, 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 a, it's yeah. a bigger list within a, it's a smaller list within a bigger list. And, you know, we don't want to make these people sound like they're all just sitting there going, do, 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 I haven't got a problem. There's all <laughs> kinds of reasons. There's all kinds yeah. of reasons that as you talk to them, they'll say, well, I've got a bank who's going to refinance me. Now, as right. an experienced many years foreclosure investor, you go, oh, some bank told them they were going to refinance her, and they're not because she's behind in her payments, and they're going to drag her around for the next 180 days and then say, oh, oops, we didn't realize you were in foreclosure. Um, but they have that real hope that I'm going to get out of this yeah. with a loan, or they have that real hope that this is this is one I like. I get a lot. Either my fill-in-the-relative's-name blank is going to give me the money to catch up, or yeah. I'm getting a settlement that is going yeah. to allow me to catch up. And then, you know, if, you, if you're really looking past what's being said into how things usually turn out, you yeah. go, yeah, I've heard that a million times, and it just almost never actually ends up happening. I can't remember one single time when somebody said that to me and then was able to pull the house out of foreclosure because it actually came to pass. It could be a divorce, right? And the, the, the two are just just keep arguing and arguing and arguing right up until the last second, and then they just have to sell at a fire sale price. Um, could be an estate situation. I see those a lot yeah. where it's, the, the, it's, it's actually heirs who are not making the payments and can't. But but their attorney you can't, them, you can't get them to agree on anything. Yes, the and then they, <laughs> but their attorney is saying, you know, oh, just don't make the payments when the estate settles. You can just sell it, right? So there's all these other there's all these other influences out there that are making them believe that things are going to be fine. But I think what I heard you say is even as they are telling you these things, even as you are hearing these things, you're going, that's awesome. I'm so glad you got this worked out. Just let me drop off some information about <laughs> yeah. loss mitigation, foreclosure, you know, uh, uh, short sales. I'll even, you know, I'll even come in and tell you what I could pay you for your house just in case it doesn't yeah. work out. You don't turn around and walk away because you've heard all of that so many times. No. no, not at all. I mean, you know, it's we always talk all the time. You have to prospect to find new leads. And you have to do effective lead follow-up. You have to follow up with these people because they're going to be in denial. You know, they're going to be depressed. They're going to be, you know, in a panic state. They don't know what to do. And we have to hand, you know, we have to work with them and take them to the acceptance stage so they know they need to make a decision to get out of their situation. And like you said, you know, there's just so many factors with these people all the time. But uh, the biggest one really is, oh, no, you know, we're working on a modification or we're working on refinancing our house. And then, you know, I ask them some questions like, you know, and how much is your monthly payment right now? And they'll say something like, you know, 1500 And how many payments are you behind? They'll say fourteen. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, you know it's not getting refinanced unless they're like at 50% loan to value. But, uh, 
the the deal is these these people they just do they um, a lot of times they just wait and wait and they've like got hope for something else and that very rarely you're exactly right very rarely comes through the uncle from New Jersey that was going to make up their back payments you know doesn't do it uh, or whatever it is whatever their the, the refi you're right that stretches them out for 180 days that's just what they do mm-hmm. and these homeowners get painted into a corner and when I have a homeowner that has a lot of equity if they don't want to put it on the market and sell it then what we do is we go in and partner with them so and we show them how they can get cash out of their house mm-hmm. and uh, you know because some of these houses they're let go sometimes in foreclosure um, they need a lot of deferred maintenance and you're not selling them to an end user somebody that's going to go ahead and buy it and just move right in you have to sell it to an investor which is going to pay less mm-hmm. so I want to go back to that thing where you just said you partner with people when we come back from the break, because I think that's a, I think a lot of people just went, you know, what now? Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Having a discussion today with Bill Twyford on what he is seeing in the foreclosure market. It's uh important that he has a lot of perspectives from a lot of different markets because he coaches people on buying pre-foreclosures all over the country. And uh, right before the break bill, you said that one of the things that you do to do with people, uh, if they have, if they have equity, they probably want to stay in the house maybe, or, you know, it's, it's a, it's one of those, it's one of those properties that, Sure, you can put it on the market, but you ain't getting top price because <laughs> you moved in in right. 1990, and at that point, it hadn't been rehabbed, and you also haven't rehabbed it since then uh, sort of thing. And you said uh, sometimes in those situations, we will partner with them. What does that mean? Well, what we'll do with a homeowner, let's just take an example of a house that has, well, let's just say it's a $400,000 house. Well, I'll use a great example. My son just did a deal where it was a $569,000 house and the lady owed $123,000 on it. And she was going to sale the next day. And they ended up stopping the sale with the Chapter 13 bankruptcy. And they partnered the deal with her. What that looked like was they told the homeowner, they said, listen, you know, tomorrow you're not going to get anything. You work with us today, we'll make up your back payments, which was $63,000. We'll get it cured, we'll get you out of foreclosure. We'll give you $10,000 to move with. So that's what we call an equity advance. So we, so they advanced her $10,000 so they could get her into an apartment and get her a little bit of cash so she can make up some, you know, some payments on her car and stuff like that. And then what they did was they went in, the lady deeded them the house. They went in, they took it basically on a short-term subject too. They rehabbed the house. They put about eighteen to twenty thousand dollars into it. They kept the payments current, and then when they put it on the market and sold it, 
they split the profit with the homeowner minus the ten thousand dollars mm-hmm. now the biggest thing with this is i've been doing these since about 2001 and we charge what we call a financial risk assessment fee it's an fra fee of 10 percent of the sales price and what that is is if they they sold that house for 570 so the first fifty seven thousand dollars went to them basically for taking on the risk of making up the back payments keeping the payments current paying to rehab the property get the cash to do all that and give the homeowner an equity advance so they charge 10% of the sales price to do that. Like a realtor would charge 6% to put a transaction together. Okay, so this, this actually covers, I mean, I, you know, that was an $18,000 rehab. It could have been a $180,000 rehab on a property that expensive. Yeah, it and, does. And, it could. And then you got more money costs. You got, you, yep. you know, you've got all holding costs. You got to keep the utilities on. You got to do yep. all the things all that. that people do. So, um, how was the how was that structured so that the former owner's interest was protected? Like, how did she know she was going to get half of ninety percent of the profit? They had a profit sharing agreement that I drew up that um, kept her in a position to where she had a legal document showing that she has basically equitable interest in the house, even though she's not on title. She has the document showing that when it closes, the title company is going to give her a check for that amount. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, this one right here, um, they just gave a check right to Will, and then Will just cut a check for her percentage, that her 50% after the fees, after the rehab, after the realtor, after the closing. So the fees were the 10%, and then you have the realtor, 6%. Then you have all your expenses from doing the rehab on top of all that. She walked with $116,000. We'll walk with two hundred. Okay. So they just closed that deal in June. Another, another approach to problem solving because, you know, so... I, I would say from watching you guys and from, because you, you, you specialize in foreclosures much more than I do, but of course I get calls from people who are behind in their payments, that of all of the different uh, target sellers that are out there, foreclosures are probably the one that requires the most people skills, like the most problem solving skills, the most um, just patience while, while, while you're watching them do something that you know is going to end in a, and then losing their property at the sale if yeah. they don't stop doing that. Um, with the, the fact that sometimes, I mean, they're, they're, they're stressed. They're not in foreclosure for no reason. They probably have a health problem or a divorce or somebody died or some, something happened. And so sometimes yep. they will they will disappear from the radar for weeks on end. Like you thought you were having a they good will. conversation, and then they go away, and you can't be all well. Fine, if you're not going to call me, I'm not going to help you. <laughs> you really, yeah. you really got to care about these sellers. No, you do, and you know it's funny. Will chase this lady seven or eight times, and he finally got to talk to her the day before the sale, and when he got her. 
he said, your only option really is to either let it go to sale and lose everything or file a Chapter 13 bankruptcy and then like a week later pull out. And that's what she did. And that gave them the time they needed to get in there, get it cured and make it happen. And, you know, he made he made right at $200,000 on that deal. Now, the best thing for that lady to do six months prior was put the thing on the market. Instead of selling it for 570 fixed up, it's not fixed up. So put it on the market for 450. Dump it, take your 250,000 and move on. Mm-hmm. But sellers don't think that far ahead. They just don't. You know, when they're in foreclosure, they're so wrapped up in that foreclosure process and they're afraid to answer the door. They're afraid to answer the phone because they're just going through this bad time in their life. And um, finally, Will happened to find her on Facebook and because she didn't answer the door. They left so many things, notes at the door, and they finally got her on Facebook. And, uh, you know, it was a that was a, a fun deal for him because he, he learned a lot on that deal, too. <laughs> so it was a lot of angles. So persistence and caring and then creativity once you get down to what what actually is the problem here, because there's also yeah. people who just they, they literally walk away. Maybe yeah. their house and it's empty. They've moved all their furniture out. They're just going to let it go through the process. And maybe they don't realize that letting it go all the way through the process is maybe worse for their credit than selling it before the sale happens. Um, you know, having there may be equity there that they're not aware of because they just they aren't they aren't up on house prices. So persistence, actually caring about the people and exercising some creativity. Uh, are probably your competitive advantages. Cause- yeah, and the, you know, and it's it's funny you say that because a lot of people really don't know what their house is worth. And if a homeowner has moved out and you notice it's a vacant house, the first thing you're going to want to do is, if, if you know they still own it because they that I'm going to sale is you're going to want to chase that person down because they've already emotionally let go of the house. They've already left. They've moved out. So now to them, it's all about, hey, can you get me some cash? Can you get me some cash? That'd be great. They don't have to worry about moving out. They've already moved out. Mm-hmm. So and when I see those vacant houses, that's where I put my bandit signs. Mm-hmm. I buy houses cash, no equity, no problem. I put it right in their front yard. And it's going to foreclosure. It's not listed. They're not living there. It's a vacant house. Yeah. So that's where I drop a sign. Yeah, but how how often do they does that sign generate a call to you saying, "My neighbor said your sign's in my front yard. What's going on?" <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. But if it does, I just blame the darn kids moving my sign. <laughs> but the thing of it is, they. Uh, you know, if, they, if that house would go to foreclosure, a lot of times they sit there for six or eight months and nobody does anything with them. So that sign just sits there. Well, I would think generating a call from somebody that you haven't been able to find would be a good thing. Oh, I'm so yeah, glad you yeah. called. I want to yeah. talk to you about I that. Got a deal. I, I got a deal that way one time on a, on uh, West Tennessee in Denver. Put a sign in a lady's yard. It was a vacant property, and she called me, and she was the owner. And uh, Will was with me. He was only probably 13 at the time. He says, I can't believe they signed everything on the trunk of the car. He <laughs> goes, I've never seen anybody do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I think I think people when they when they first start in after the idea of yeah, let me reach out to some of these people in foreclosure, they have a really oversimplified idea of of what's going to happen. Like they're just the, the folks are just going to agree to that lowball cash offer, and you're going to wholesale it or keep it or whatever you're going to do with it. And yeah, that does happen, sure, but yeah. but it's it it feels like. In addition to the caring part and the persistence part and the creativity part, there's a piece here about how do you even have these conversations. And that's that's what I want to talk about when we come back from this break right here. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Before I completely forget it... Listeners, Cincinnati RIA's national chapter meeting online is tomorrow night, and uh, it's going to be a really informative one because it is some of our most experienced members talking about the worst mistake they ever made. Not like I bought a bad deal, <laughs> like I got into a partnership that nearly bankrupted me, that kind of uh, potentially life-altering mistake. And of course, they're going to talk about how they got past it and also what they know to do differently now. Uh, we also have a really interesting early session. I'm not going to take time to tell you about that. Just go to CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. And uh, click on tomorrow night's meeting link. You see the whole agenda and also get yourself a registration so that you can have that link to watch on Zoom tomorrow night. So, Bill, um, I think you you kind of slid past this, but I know it's an important part of your strategy. I know Dwan talked about it when we did the the deal finding discussion for the uh, Aria Refocus series. Um, part of what you do with these folks is you actually show up at their doors, and and you knock and you try to you try to be let in so that you can have a conversation. And if not, you leave them a card that says, hey, can we talk? And I think that that idea terrifies <laughs> every introvert and also some extroverts who are going, what do you say to somebody who's like, you're there because they're behind in their payments and you know it and they know it. Is there some like set of things that most people or everybody could use to, to like break the ice, um, start this, this potentially painful and uh, sensitive conversation. Like, what do you do? Well, you know, it's funny you say that. And the only thing that really stops people from going out, talking to people face to face is they just don't know what to say. And if they knew what to say and they're confident in how to say it, then they would have no problem going out and talking to a homeowner face-to-face -face because sooner or later, if they do mailings or if they do social media, sooner or later they have to meet the homeowner at the house and they have to sit down with them face-to-face -face and have a conversation. So I always tell people, get out in front of people as fast as you can because that's the fastest way you're going to learn because if you're mailing a thousand postcards and you get 
five calls out of a thousand postcards and it costs you $500 to mail those postcards, each one of those leads is $100. And if you have no experience being out there talking to any of those people, you're probably going to blow the deals. But if you had experience being out talking to homeowners face to face by going out door knocking or being on the telephone with them and doing stuff like that, you have a better chance of getting a homeowner to believe what you say to be true, to feel comfortable working with you. And that's something that only comes with just practice. So I always tell a homeowner, we never talk about buying their house. We never talk about listing their house. We always say, we were, I would say something like, hey, Vina, how you doing? My name is Bill. I was at the courthouse here today. I noticed you have a pending problem in your property, which means you could be two, three, or four payments behind. We specialize in helping homeowners buy time to stay in their home. What I'd like to do is, is give you this free information packet. It gives you 10 options on what you could do to buy time. So what are you working on right now with your mortgage company? And 95% of the time, they always say, we're working on a modification. So then I just say back to them, so basically it's what they call a level shift. I say back to you what I heard you say. So I go, basically, so what you're telling me is you want to stay in your house. Is that correct? And, sh and they, she says yes. So now I'm getting her to agree right off the bat because it's easier getting a customer to agree with you once you agree with them first. So I'm just using a real easy script that just asks what are they doing. They say they're going to do a modification. So then I have a modification conversation with them on you know, do you have the paperwork from the bank? Did you fill it out yet? You know, if you didn't get the paperwork, here's what you're going to need, an RMA. You're going to use a request for modification application. You'll need a 4506T form. They're going to send you all of this stuff. And I'm just establishing value at the door so they feel compelled to listen to what I have to say. And when I'm establishing value at the door, or over the telephone, they want to stay in that conversation because nobody's telling them this because everybody else is coming up and saying, hey, I want to list your house or, hey, I want to buy your house. And nine out of ten people don't want to sell their house. They want to figure out a way to try to save it. So we take and walk them down the path they want to go, and then we persuade them into the path that we know they need to go when they get to a point to where they realize they're not going to be able to keep their house. Mm -hmm. But that's all part of just following up and knowing what to say and how to handle the conversations. That's all it is. And you said you said script. You said yeah. you said I, I, I do this script and then if it goes this way I do this script. Yeah. Is that and, and but you sounded and I know you were just doing one of your scripts, but but you sounded like just a everyday conversation. You didn't sound like, Hello, Mrs. Homeowner. My name yeah. is Bill. <laughs> yeah. No, and you know that, and that all, and, and that's what people will sound like when they start reading the scripts and learning them, because it will be choppy because you're trying to learn the words. But once you get them down, they just flow out and they become conversational. So you got to remember when you're dealing with homeowners, you have to be conversational, not confrontational. Some people. You know, I had a I had a guy I trained up in the Bronx about five years ago. He says to me, he goes, you know, I really like your script. He says, but 
What if they ask us what courthouse? And I said, dude, they never ask what courthouse. Nobody's ever asked me that. I swear to God, Jesus is my witness. The first door we knocked on, the lady said, what courthouse? And I just looked at him. And I said, the county courthouse. And she goes, oh, okay. So we walked away. I told him, I said, see what you did? I said, call it out. He made that happen. Frank Frank couldn't believe they said that. I couldn't believe they said that. Never said it since. So I just let them know they have a pending problem. You know, that's all it is. So it's just, uh, I notice you have a pending problem, which means you could be two, three, four payments behind. And we specialize in helping homeowners buy time. So I want to get that out, uh, you know, so they know that we're there to help them, not to just buy their house. Well, and a key, a key thing there is you actually are there to help them. Yeah. Because I, I, I have seen you leave people with wonderful advice about, dude, you just need to list this house. <laughs> you're not, you're not, yeah. you're not, you're not going to get your modification because the banks are just, you would have to completely requalify and you lost one of your two oh, incomes. Yeah. You've got so much equity. Get a great realtor. Here's how you get a great realtor. Get it on the yeah. market. And even when they don't do that, and you end up buying the house because they waited too long, they really appreciate that you truly are there to help them. And I hope listeners are way more comfortable with the approach you're suggesting than the one that I unfortunately am seeing with some of our colleagues, which is they will basically go into the house and strong army seller who isn't ready to sell yet into signing a contract. That's the fastest way to get in trouble. And and the only reason they do that is because they don't have enough deals going. If you have a lot of deals going and you do a lot of prospecting, you know what? If a homeowner doesn't want to do something, we don't ever force them to do anything. We show them their options. And if they want to work with us, great. If they don't, we've got all these other leads that we're working. So to us, it's more important for them that we're there than it is for us to be there. And that's a real important point. It's more important for, for them that we're there to help them than it is for us to be there because we have some other people we can go talk to. So there's so many people in foreclosure, so many people behind in payments. You know, if you get a, a cut, you know, I always say too that You have to be in control of your deal. If you're not in control, somebody else is. And if your homeowner's in control, now you have a person that's not making their mortgage payment in control of your paycheck. And that doesn't sound real smart. So you don't want to do that. So any like Bill's deal that we talked about on the session right before this, he could have gave the homeowner ten thousand, she could have walked, he could have walked her three hundred grand. But this year alone Bill has given back almost $500,000 to homeowners that he didn't have to. He didn't have to. My son will. He didn't have to. But you know what? It was the way he was trained because, like, this homeowner was in this house for 11 years. You know what? She deserves most of that equity. Yeah, he deserves what he made, but she deserves something, not just not just ten grand, because that's like a cash buyer will give him ten grand and then they walk and cash buyer makes a hundred, you know, it makes 300 grand on a deal like that. So, so you got to be fair to the homeowner. So folks, if you, if you got, if you're brave enough to contact these folks and you're patient enough to continue to follow up with them while they go through whatever process they need to go through to quote, get there. And you're generous with them and you really do care about whether they 
get what they want and need, whether or not that happens to be you, you just don't really have a lot of competition out there in your market. Now, Bill, uh, all-day session, November 2nd here in Cincinnati at oh. the National Real Estate Summit. I know you're going to get have time to get into a whole lot more detail about how you find these people. I think you're going to do role-playing yep. with the folks who are there yep. on the scripts. Oh. You're going to show them how to... You mentioned earlier that you kind of focus on places where there's more foreclosures <laughs> instead of less foreclosures. You're going to show them how to find yep. those places. Um, it's going to be a good day for folks who are signed up. If you are, congratulations. If you're not, there's a handful of seats left at the live event at oreaconvention.com, um, or you can just get the recordings of the whole event at the same website, oreaconvention.com. Thank you very much, Bill. We will... Well, thank you. I look forward to seeing all you guys there on, on Thursday. Uh, so, uh, oh, yeah. can't wait. Really? I will see you and Dawn there. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>